Luke chapter 1, I want you to take notice of why it is and how often it is that angels, the angels of God, sort of dominate the whole story of Christ's coming. Verse 11, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord. Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias. Verse 18, and Zacharias said unto the angel, verse 19, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, stand in the presence of God. Verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Verse 28, and the angel came in. Verse 30, the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel. Verse 35, and the angel answered and said. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, beat unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. Now look quickly at chapter 2. Verse 8, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The angel again. Verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying the last line of verse 21, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, of course, this is a remarkable feature, you'll agree, in this portion of God's word. Angels are so prevalent here that if this was the first and the only scripture that someone ever read, they would assume that angels are found everywhere in the Bible. And they might even think that the Bible is about the ministry of angels. But here's the reality. The Word of God, the Bible that we hold in our hands, talks most about angels in three primary texts. Genesis, 11 times the word angels found. In the Gospels and Acts, 43 times. And in Revelation, 53 times the word is found. And of course, there are those few occasions, as you know, such as Psalms and David, sprinkled here and there, so that 203 times in 79 chapters of the Bible, you will find a reference to angels. But never, think of this, not even once do you find the word angel in Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st or 2nd Thessalonians, 1st or 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, which is significant since John also wrote Revelation, which has the most mention of angels, and Peter, who was personally delivered by an angel from that prison. You would think that he would mention them at least once in his two epistles, but no, the Apostle Paul, who was also encountered by an angel. You may remember that he talked about that angel in the book of Acts, but never mentions them in about 99% of his epistles. Nor are angels noted in most of the Old Testament books. It's yet another reminder, for me at least, that this is the word of God, not the word of man. Look, any man who had ever encountered an angel and knew that they did, that would be almost all they would talk about and all they would write about. And thus, note this, it makes perfect sense, therefore, that wherever you do find angels, predominantly, it is for a reason. And it fits perfectly in this glorious plan of God. Genesis, the Gospels and Acts, and Revelation. 
the beginning of God's plan of redemption, when he comes, the coming of redemption, and then the return in Revelation, return of redemption. Yes, this is why at the birth of Christ, angels, it seems, are everywhere, and not just in Luke's account. Matthew 1.20, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and Joseph did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And in Matthew 2.13, and the angel of the Lord again appeared unto Joseph, saying, angels, oh yes, all through the story of Bethlehem, there is the presence and the purpose of these angels of God. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And suddenly there was with that angel, the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host. Again, the angels of God were in and around every aspect of the birth of Christ. And that's probably why you see so much emphasis on angels during this entire season. For those of you who have a tree at home, you probably put an angel or a star on the top of that tree. I saw a tree the other day that had actually had a New England Patriot helmet on the top, and that's clearly pagan. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is not the reason for their season. Amen. You want, you want a football angel, put a Miami Dolphin on the top of your tree. That's all I'm saying. But it's true for a lot of folks, an angel is the last thing that you put on your tree and the first thing you take off. And yes, as we noted, angels are among the very first things that we see in Scripture. They are in the middle, and they are obviously the very last things you see in Scripture. And the question is why? Why are the angels of God so prominent and present in the kingdom of God? Why do they suddenly appear at special moments in human history? Well, for just a few moments, that's what I want us to consider. I want to speak on the subject, breaking news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for the blessing of this place and your people and the music. Now we come to your word, and we know you want to speak to us through it. Nobody here today is here by accident. May they understand that. May I understand that. May open our hearts to that truth. Speak to us, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the most annoying things to me about the modern news cycle, that is 24-hour cable news, is how every day, every single day, every news outlet has a crawl at the bottom or a cry on the bottom that says, quote, breaking news, big red uh, bold letters. Or the hour where starts with, breaking tonight, and the host announces some boring little uh, detail he's repeated every day for the past three months. There was a day when breaking news actually meant breaking news. A bombshell report was actually a bombshell and not a sparkler. Pearl Harbor, 9-11, JFK, MLK, the moon landing. You see, that's breaking news, which alludes to the title for today's message, The Angels of God Are Real. They did come down to this earth, they still come down to this earth, and they're now in our midst. And at certain moments in God's great plan, they have in their own mouths breaking news from God. You see, the Greek word translated angel is angelos. It literally means messenger. And yes, God has always had heavenly couriers, messengers, who from time to time burst into the scene in this world and declare breaking news to the sons of Adam. You may remember the town crier, the 17th and 18th century. I mean, you don't literally remember them unless you're Brother Sam, maybe you might remember them. But you read about how, how each Friday they would 
they would come out and they would announce some very important news that everybody needed to hear. In Great Britain, they'd ring a bell and say, hear ye, hear ye, and then, then they would give the news. In Sweden, they actually hit a gong and say, morty, morty, burr, or whatever they would say in Sweden when they gave. <laughs> the Swedish chef was the town crier. God's angels, of course, show up with glory and in Revelation with trumpets. And beloved, the truth of these angels present us some vital truth today. Three lessons. The first one, number one, I want you to notice is a lesson of worship. Chapter 1, verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. Why was he afraid? For thy prayer is heard. Verse 19, and Zechariah, verse 19 rather, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, look at this, that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Go ahead again to chapter 2 and notice what it says in verse 9. And lo, the angel Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. What are they doing? Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Now wait a minute. Follow this carefully. Fear not. Yes, angels are majestic. According to Scripture, angels are powerful. They are beautiful. They are supernatural. And of course, I'm not talking about the angel on your shoulder or the angel in your pocket or the angel on your tree, or the angel in It's a Wonderful Life. Angels don't have to earn their wings. And they're not the reason for Christmas magic on Hallmark. In the Bible, angels are staggering, awe-inspiring, breathtaking, so that the first words out of their mouths are typically, fear not. I remind you of the story in 2 Kings 19 where it says that one angel in one day smote 185,000 homicidal Assyrians. Now that's my Hallmark movie, Massacre at Angel Falls. Amen? That's a, I'd watch that. One is greater than 185,000 hardened soldiers. And folks, I say all that to say this. With all that power and all that grandeur and all that beauty and that glory and that wonder, they're still messengers. They are still couriers, not the message themselves. You remember when John saw and heard the angel in Revelation? It says, he wrote these words. He says, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. In other words, as mass, majestic, and wondrous, and powerful as they all are, they are still not worthy of worship, and they know it. Now follow this carefully. If we're not supposed to worship angels, with all of the glory, and Paul wrote an entire book, Colossians, about that truth, if we're not supposed to worship angels, can I ask you a question? Why would we ever worship man who's made a little lower than the angels? I want to ask you this. Who do you worship this morning in your heart? Pastor, I love this preacher. This man, this, uh, maybe he's on TV. This man, he's so amazing. And yeah, it bothers me a little that, he's, that he likes the adulation and he doesn't mind the worship of man. 
Really, then you know what? Can I say turn away and don't go back? No man is that awesome. Neither is a woman or a reincarnated child. And the same goes for your idolized musician or movie star or professor or politician or athlete. You see, folks, here's the problem. Man was created by God to worship. It's in us. It's inherent in us. It is not an accident that everyone has idols and that every civilization and every tribe builds a shrine or a temple or a pyramid or an altar. We are made to worship, but to worship, Jesus said, in truth. And you will notice that the man, that man who fell down at the feet of that angel in Revelation, he wasn't some shallow barbarian or idolater. No, no, this was the Apostle John who was just finished finishing up his fifth book in the Bible. This was the disciple whom Jesus loved. So to that man, if John can misplace his worship, then for sure so can I. And so can you. That angel would have none of it. And neither will God have any of it. And it brings us to every person in this room. Because folks, every single one of us here and watching by live stream, you are created to worship God and God alone. And anyone who is not worshiping God and God alone as much as anything else that can be said about that, you are missing entirely the love and the fulfillment and the peace and the joy and the wisdom that can only come by giving Christ all your heart. We are made to fall down, not before man. We're not made to fall down before anyone except the one who has bought your redemption. You want breaking news? Well, the messenger from glory has already burst onto the scene and given us one of the greatest headlines of all times. It's two words, worship God. Worship God. You know, one of our men used to say to me all the time, Pastor, you need to put your name on the church sign. Set it on Center Street, set it here. You need to have your name on all the vehicles, and it should say, Dr. Jim Blaylock, Pastor, because you've earned it. <clears throat> and I always answered in the same way. Why? In 36 years, I've never even wanted my own parking, parking spot. I've never, it's never existed. I remember a church sign in Tennessee. Everything was painted. Mount Pisgah, Baptist Church, Pastor, all painted but the pastor's name was those little removable letters by hooks. <laughs> and I thought, man, a church, subtle reminder. You know, you may not be here that long, preacher, just remember that. The truth is, none of us are here that long. But all of us who are in Christ are with him for eternity. So that he alone is worthy of worship. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate, fall. And if that's the one they fall before, that's the one we fall before. Someone asked me this week, Pastor, why don't, why don't you have Santa Claus? All the churches have Santa Claus for their kids. And I said, Santa? Santa can have them all. I would rather exalt Christ. He alone is worthy of any of our worship. The second thing I want you to notice, number two, is a lesson of waiting. Go back to chapter one again, would you? 
Notice these texts. Verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughter of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. These people are aged. Verse 6, and they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now, see, well stricken in years. Verse 13, and the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. You know, folks, it is intriguing to me how whenever angels appear to the sons of Adam with breaking news, almost always it is an announcement they've been waiting to proclaim, sometimes for centuries. Gabriel is the press secretary of heaven. On five separate occasions, he specifically comes with a message from God. To Zechariah here in Luke 1, he said, he's near. To Mary, he said, he's God. To the shepherds, he said, he's here. To the women of the tomb, he said, he's alive. And to the disciples at the ascension, he said, he's coming back. All of these, beloved, are messages. Think about this. All of them are announcements that the angels waited to give with great anticipation. And if you don't think they were joyous when the waiting was over, just remember what we just read in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel Gabriel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then the next verse says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away into heaven. Gone to do what? To worship and to wait again. To serve God and wait for the next breaking news. You see, folks, they waited hundreds, even thousands of years for the first headlines that they gave. And it won't be long. They're about to come down and make the last headlines. You know, we are now in the last days of 2023. Hard to imagine. 2024 is just days away. And there's one thing that we know about the new year and what it holds even for the angels and ought to hold for us, and that is Anticipation, patient, waiting, and watching. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, Of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. The angels don't know when they're going to say, breaking news, and then a trumpet sounds. They only know it's coming. And folks, it is coming sooner than ever. This is why... Our Lord Jesus followed that very same admonition with the words, Watch therefore. Watch therefore, he said, occupy until I come, which means waiting in faith and hope and joy and in labor. In other words, folks, this isn't supposed to be like waiting for a root canal. Oh, waiting for, quote, the end of something. No, no, no. We're waiting for the beginning. We're waiting for the beginning far more than we're waiting for the end. Those, those guys who hold those signs, you know, in cities that say the end is near. Well, for God's people, turn it around and let the sign say the beginning is near. Because that's what you're waiting for. As believers, we're not just waiting for something to be over. Because it's all misery until then. We're waiting for eternity to begin. And then it's all worship until then. When Paul said, I am ready, I am ready, 
He wasn't looking for the execution. He was looking for the coronation. And beloved, if there's anything that the presence and the breaking news ought of angels ought to remind us of, it is the fleeting nature of this world. And coupled with that, the eternal glory of that which is to come. You know, I remember as a boy getting a Christmas present. And it made me the envy of my friends. It was a little gas-powered dune buggy, about this big, about like that. Had a little, those little tiny Cox engines, you know, they have them in airplanes as well, and it ran on methanol. And I got that thing, and my heart was full of joy. It was so cool in, in Cocoa and in South Florida. Dune buggies were all the rage at the time, and I had my own little dune buggy. And you took your can, it was a can of, of uh, methanol, whatever, and you took it and you filled it, and it always spilled over and got in your hands and everywhere in the car. And once you got it started, it had this high-pitched engine. And you know, you just turn the needle, there's a little needle on there, and you turn that needle and get the right mixture of oxygen and so forth, and then it would get really, really loud and high-pitched. And you held up the rear tires while it was winding up, and then you just let it go. Big rubber tires, it would bounce over rocks. It was the coolest thing. And of course, all the rage in the 1970s, off it goes. There's no way to steer it. Had a mind of its own. So ideally, you would do this in a big parking lot or on a football field. What's not ideal is doing it in someone's yard where there's a campfire burning right over there. <laughs> We're watching my doom buggy and saying, you know, that high-pitched noise, if you remember those things, and watching it just thrilled about it. It's brand spanking new. And then I saw it going right to the fire and in horror I watched it. <laughs> Folks, the things on this earth are fleeting. If you think about it, everything you have is going all that stuff you know what, that's okay. Because Christians aren't waiting for the end so much as we're waiting for the beginning. Which leads us into the last truth. A lesson of worship, a lesson of waiting, and number three, a lesson of witnessing. Chapter two, go with me if you would. Verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Now, I have a question. They're speaking to just a few people. They're speaking to a few shepherds. And after they speak to them, they're going back to heaven. So how is this good news, which is what the word gospel means, how are these glad tidings to all people? Look down at verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them. Uh-oh, what about all the other people? The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known, hath made known. That's breaking news unto us. And then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. That's how it gets to all people. Folks, if angels are messengers... And we're called fellow servants of those angels. That makes us fellow messengers. 
We're already fellow worshipers. And of course, the Bible says, anytime the message of the gospel leads to one sinner repenting, one lost sheep comes to Christ, Jesus said there is rejoicing up there in the presence of the angels. We're fellow servants. We're fellow messengers of the Most High God. I remind you of what the angel said in Acts chapter 1 after Jesus told the disciples to take the gospel to the entire world. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said. And then he ascended out of their sight. And they're standing there, gazing up into heaven. I understand. But the angels come to them. And in Acts 1.11, they say this, Men, human beings, men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? That's where we're going. But out there is where you're going. In other words, the angels were saying, it's your job. It's your job to break the news. It's your job to spread the news that has just been broken. Witnessing, waiting, and worshiping. Until they said, this same Jesus, this same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. I'm going to ask you a question this morning and we're done. First, who do you worship today? If the angel says, see thou do it not, no, 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 no. Do not give me your adulation, your worship, your heart, your devotion. No, no, no. We're your fellow servants. We worship God day and night. That's what we do in glory. You worship God. So here's my first question. Who do you worship? What we mean by that is, who has that part of your heart? And the Bible says your whole heart belongs to God. Who has that little part that only belongs to God? Let it go. Give him all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Number two, how are you waiting? Are you waiting faithfully? When I think of Zacharias and Elizabeth, I think of heroes of the faith. Hundreds of years have passed since the book of Malachi was closed. Hundreds of centuries, no Messiah. All those promises. Centuries have gone on, generation after generation after generation. Well, what's Zacharias and Elizabeth say? Oh, it must be, it'll never happen. The Messiah will never come. Jesus will never, the Savior will never be here. No, he's faithful. Well stricken in years. Barren as she was. Faithful. Fulfilling his course as a priest. Well, Jesus is coming soon. Are you waiting faithfully? Are you with God's people in God's house? Or just flittering around? Driving your tent peg deeply into this earth? Then finally, when will you witness? When will you witness, be a witness to this glorious message? Our heads are bowed, please, for a moment. Our eyes are closed. You know, Hollywood loves to take the greatest, most powerful, in many ways most sacred elements of Scripture and turn them into cartoons. He certainly has done that with angels. I want to remind you this morning that angels give us messages. The Bible says that the angels have always looked down and wondered about God's plan of redemption, marveled about it. 
The book of Revelation, John saw them. And he saw what they're going to do in the very end. They're going to break the news. If you're a child of the living God this morning, the news has been broken in your heart and your mind. You're enlightened. And God would say to you, be a messenger now. And be faithful. And have no idols. No idols. Whether it be a thing or a person, nothing between you and the Savior. And wait patiently, faithfully. Pastor Blalock, I'm here today, and, and I'm a believer. By the grace of God, I've been saved. My name's written in heaven, but I needed this message today. As a Christian, God has spoken to my heart on this Lord's Day morning. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building and amen? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This world is fleeting. All of our things, all of our plans, is all temporal. It'll be gone tomorrow. But whatever you do for the Lord Jesus, whatever you do in the local church, whatever you do in his ministry, all of that's eternal. That's why he says, our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Nothing's in vain if you do it for God and you live for God. Nothing. Pastor Blaylock, I'm here today and I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I were to die right now, I don't know for certain that I'd be in heaven. But I want to know it. I need to know it. I won't embarrass you or come to you. And heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But the Lord will see your faith, your heart, in as much as I may see your hand or may not. But if that's you, you say, Pastor, pray for me that I could know that heaven's my home. Who would say that? Would you lift your hand really high till we see it? God bless you. God bless you. And amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Hold it up there high enough where we can see it. We're going to pray for you in a moment. Always here at Beacon, we have an invitation. Sunday morning, Sunday night at least. And that's an opportunity for you to do business with the Lord. You can come forward and speak with someone or we'll help you in your pew even. If God has spoken to your heart, obey his voice, won't you? Christians, walk out of these doors encouraged, full of faith and boldness, recognizing that God's plan is right on schedule. The angels don't even know exactly when, but they're ready. Are you ready? Father, bless now the invitation, and I thank you, Lord, for reminding us of these scriptures so often neglected that tell us about the coming of your Son, long predicted, prophesied, and fulfilled in every point to give us the promise and the prophecies of his coming again, and how perfectly we see that that breaking news has been fulfilled and is being until there's another headline Help us to be faithful. Bless these who have asked for prayer. Anybody in this room that does not know your son as Savior, Father, use the next few moments to open their heart to your gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. May the Lord find us faithful as the hymn. If God has spoken to your heart, Brother Kevin's going to lead us. Sing along with him, and I'll be watching if anyone wants to come forward as well. As we sing, you come. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed for a moment. We're going to sing one more verse and then we'll close the service. But right now, wherever you are, several of you even raise your hands and said, I'm not sure that I'm saved. And we don't always do this here, but sometimes the Lord leads me to do it. And if you're standing in that pew right now and you're not sure you're a child of God, that you're ready for the second coming, that you're ready for God to take you home in another way, you can be. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, lost, separated from God forever. 
And if you do not change that, if that doesn't change before you die, you'll be separated from God in hell for eternity. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's free, don't earn it, you're not good enough. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a song we sing sometimes here, Born to Die. Jesus came, God sent his son to die on a cross for those sins, your sins. And you must accept Christ as your only Lord and Savior if you're to have those sins forgiven. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from that sin and saved from hell. Right there in your pew, you could open your heart in faith. Pray to the Lord. Pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sinner. I'm lost. And I know it. And right now, as best I can, I need to be saved and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Right now, I repent of my sins and repent of anything I'm trusting in to get me to heaven. Accept for your son. Open your heart. Pray that prayer. We're going to sing another verse. If God has spoken to your heart and you want to speak with someone, I'll be here as we sing. You come. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just the word of God today, how it speaks to our hearts, how you've given it to us, Lord, to help us grow, to teach us about salvation, Lord, to guide us through this life. I pray, God, that we would be faithful unto the end, that we would trust you, that we would serve you, that we would walk with you and worship you. Lord, I do pray for anybody here today that perhaps raised their hand and said they weren't sure of their salvation. Please work in their heart today. Lord, may they come to a knowledge of your saving, Lord. And thank you so much for salvation. I pray, God, that you bring us back together safely tonight. Lord, to hear the children as they sing about you, I pray, and that Jesus would be lifted up and glorified. And Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name.